Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The new laws that could impact everyday life. There are a couple related to waste and recycling. The state wants to avoid sending food waste to landfills. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. We'll tell you about an art program giving kids a creative outlet. What we offer is a safe space for young people to be able to come to learn something new, but also to meet somebody new. Plus, the art installments you can see while hiking the beautiful landscape of San Diego. That's ahead on Midday Edition. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A look at the new laws coming in 2022 and a new creative outlet for kids. I'm Jade Hindman. This is KPBS Midday Edition. It's Friday, December 31st. As the year comes to a close, we want to look ahead at the new laws going into effect that could impact your day-to-day life. Laws around housing, climate change, and police reform top the list. Scott Rod, state government reporter for Cap Radio, joins us to talk about changes to the laws in 2022. Scott, welcome. Thanks, Jade. So California has been dealing with a climate crisis, wildfires being one of the main issues. Tell us about Senate Bill 332, a new prescribed burning law that will go into effect in the new year. So the law aims to increase prescribed burning. And the purpose of prescribed burning or controlled burning is to reintroduce fire to the landscape, whether that's a forest or other wild lands, in a controlled way to mimic fire's natural low-intensity role. Uh, And that helps eliminate dangerous fire fuels like brush and grass. 
and the law reduces the liability for people doing these prescribed burns. Someone has to be grossly negligent in order for them to be found liable for damages if the burn gets out of control, but they have further protections, say if there was an honest mistake, if they were acting responsibly, or if there was an act of God that just caused the fire to get out of control. And it's worth noting that there are still restrictions and requirements in place, not just anyone can go out and set these burns, but lawmakers are hoping that it will increase these prescribed burns. And housing has also been a big issue in California lately. Rent is high, home prices are high, and low inventory seems to be driving it all. Tell us about Senate Bill 9, the California Housing Opportunity and More Efficiency Act. So Senate Bill 9 has gained a little bit of controversy, certainly what it was being discussed and passed. And so it essentially allows multifamily homes like duplexes and fourplexes to be built in neighborhoods that have been traditionally zoned as single family neighborhoods. Uh, And the pushback came from some homeowners and local governments. Their argument was that, you know, this could end traditional homeownership. Folks who supported the law said, you know, it won't do anything of the sort. It will help add desperately needed housing. It'll help ease the home crunch in California, open up building in these neighborhoods. And they also say, look, this is not going to create high rises in typical neighborhoods. It'll just add some of these multifamily houses. And could you tell us about Senate Bill 2 on police reform laws, which goes into effect at the beginning of the new year? Yeah, Senate Bill 2 is one, you know, of a number of recent police reform laws that have gone into effect in in recent years. This one essentially creates a system uh, and a process for decertifying police officers if they've acted badly, essentially. It essentially tries to end the practice of police officers hopping from one department to another if they've violated the law or if they've done something to you know, essentially breach that trust with the public. This creates that process where if an officer commits a certain offense, uh, they won't be able to hop from department to department. And then there's Senate Bill 787, Animal Welfare and Food Supply Law. Tell us about that. This one has stirred up a little bit of controversy. Voters may have remembered back in 2018 voting on Proposition 12. It was overwhelmingly supported by California voters. It goes into effect on the first of the year, and it requires that pigs, calves, and hens that are raised for food to have adequate room to move around and also lay down on these farms where they're raised. The law bans the sale of products from facilities nationwide that don't meet these guidelines. And the big concern here is pork products, you know, especially bacon. California gets a lot of its pork from out of state, and farmers and producers around the country are pushing back on this new law. You know, they're saying that they just can't comply with these new restrictions. They haven't had enough time. And we've been seeing some lawsuits filed over this, um, coming from both farmers, but also industry groups representing restaurants. They're concerned that this could increase prices and reduce supply of pork products, you know, at a time when supply chain issues are already kind of creating issues at the grocery store and for restaurants. Bacon and pork aside, do you have any sense of how this might impact the cost of food? There are concerns that it could increase costs for food. And, and, you know, again, we're already seeing food increases from inflation at the grocery store. So folks who are opposed to this have expressed concern that it could exacerbate those price increases. You know, so much has changed during the pandemic. And one thing that was very different for California was getting to order your favorite cocktail to go. Senate Bill 389 cocktails to go went into effect during the pandemic. And it looks like this law is here to stay. Can you tell us more about this law and its impact? 
That's right. So there was an emergency COVID rule that allowed restaurants to sell to-go cocktails with meals. This law extends that for the next five years. Um, and, you know, this rule helped businesses stay open and it turned out to just be very popular, both among business owners and the public who was going in ordering a lot more food to go. And so the law requires that drinks must be ordered with a food purchase. There's a two drink maximum per meal. And the to-go cocktails must be served in containers and clearly labeled. So, you know, this doesn't mean that consumption out in public, once you walk outside on the sidewalk, you know, that's not going to become legal. You need to, you know, take it with you, get home, and then you can enjoy your whatever libation you have ordered. But again, it turned out to be very popular. In five years, the, the law sunsets, so lawmakers can revisit it and see if it continues to be popular. Are there any other laws that sit at top of mind for you that will be changing in 2022? There are a couple related to waste and recycling. The state wants to avoid sending food waste to landfills. So it's turning it into composting or biofuel. Uh, and you know, the goal is to not only use this food waste, but also to avoid having it go to landfills, which then creates methane. Uh, and so local governments uh, will be deciding how residents should dispose of food scraps. Many are telling residents to use the existing green waste bins, which are often used for yard waste. Uh, but I would encourage residents to look at their local waste management protocols from city or county governments and figure out what the best way to discard their food waste is. And uh, there's also another one on recycling. And it won't go into effect right away, but consumers will start to notice some of these changes in the coming years. The law that's going into effect limits when food packagers can use the iconic chasing arrow symbol. Uh, in a lot of packaging, especially single-use plastic, it can't actually be recycled, even though it has this triangular chasing arrow symbol. And the state is developing guidelines on when these materials can actually have that symbol based on whether or not it's realistically recyclable. Manufacturers are, are going to have to comply with this by at the latest 2025, but consumers can expect to see some of these changes probably sooner than that in the coming years. I've been speaking to Scott Rod, state government reporter for CAP Radio. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. During the holiday season, we often tell the stories of people reaching out to others. Today, we take a look back at a local organization working to empower youth through the arts, Earlier this year, it got a no-strings-attached donation from one of the richest people in the world. KPBS reporter Melissa May tells us the story about David's harp. A student plays an original song in a recording studio at the David's Harp Foundation, an organization that's about more than just music. What we offer is a safe space for young people to be able to come to learn something new, but also to meet somebody new. Brandon Stepp is the founder and director of David's Harp, bringing at-risk youth together through the arts since 2007. He says it all started with a music studio he built in his father's garage in southeast San Diego. Eventually I let young people come in and trade good grades for studio time in that space. What I got to see is that when young people came into that space, they were different. That studio garage grew into a nonprofit organization that started bringing music into schools, teen shelters, and eventually to the juvenile justice system. 
The foundation is named after the biblical David and the harp he played to lift the torment of the king. Stepp says, just like the king, many of the students are tormented with potential gang involvement, homelessness, and even substance abuse. When they came into that studio space and they interacted with music, it's like the torment would be gone. That's Riley playing some beats for us. He doesn't want his full name used because he's still on probation. He was in juvenile detention when he connected with David's harp. When they came, it's like a little light always came with them, like straight up. It, it's good in there. Like when they came, there was no, no arguments, no nothing. We just wanted to be here with the music and the good people. Riley now works for the foundation and knows what it means to at-risk youth. I mean, it helps kids out because it helps them get back on their feet, you know. I surrounded them by good people, good equipment, can't go wrong. Kasimi Childress is a David's Harp success story. He says he came from a family plagued by drugs and grew up in a group home. I definitely think I would have been a menace to my own society. I, I think I definitely would have been part of the problem, not part of the solution. An advocate connected him to David's Harp because of his love for music. He now serves on the foundation's board. Don't ever pay it back. Pay it forward. So just understanding the value of that is something that I took from this program. Childress spent three years in the program. He's now graduating early from the University of Laverne with plans to become an attorney. But music will always be a part of his life. Music is forever, will be my place of peace. The program is about more than just peace. Stepp says the students are also learning some important job skills. We initially start with art, so we're teaching young people music production, videography. They're learning audio engineering. They're learning applied physics. They're learning about light and color and sound. The group's work attracted the attention of billionaire philanthropist Mackenzie Scott. She gave David's harp a donation of $1 million. I have no clue how Mackenzie Scott found out about us, honestly. We are a small nonprofit here, but what I know is the community is very authentic and the word has spread kind of quickly nationally. David's harp is now in the Moniker Warehouse in downtown San Diego. It was the perfect space because here it is, along the trolley tracks where young people can access it, and it's in a gang-neutral area, which all of those were essential. Stepp says the donation will help build creative centers in different parts of the county. He says the foundation wants to partner with more community members to foster more creative youth development opportunities. A long way from that studio in a San Diego garage. Melissa May, KPBS News. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Jade Hindman. For our arts preview this weekend, we're shaking things up just a little bit with a guide to some works of art viewable from the outdoors. Whether you're avoiding indoor gatherings or maybe just for a way to kick off the new year with more walking, here's some art for you. Joining me with the list is KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, welcome. Hi, Jade. Thanks for having me. 
So let's start with the oldest piece on your list by the influential regional artist James Hubble. Where can we find it? Right. This one is at the foot of Vulcan Mountain in Julian. It's right at the trailhead and it's called the Vulcan Mountain Gateway. And it was built by James Hubble and a team of volunteers in 1990. It's a multi-piece sculpture. It's more of, of a passageway than an actual gate. There's two carved cedar low walls on either side of the trail, and they kind of jut upwards to the sky. They mimic peaks of their own. And then in the middle of the trail, there are three intricate iron sculptures on on these posts. So you kind of have to walk through and around the sculpture to start the trail. Hubble's work is all over the region, and this is is kind of one of the lesser-known works of his. Plus, it's a really great hike. It's about a five-mile round-trip climb, goes through the forest as well as these big, grassy meadows. And this trail is sometimes closed after rain or weather, so you can check with the San Diego County Parks and Rec Department in advance. And another trailside work of art is an early 2020 sculpture by Roman DeSalvo at Mission Trails. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is at the newish East Fortuna staging area field station. It's called Fountain Mountain, kind of a play on the nearby Fortuna Mountains. And this is part of the city's civic art collection. And it looks literally looks like something between a fountain and a mountain. There is a drinking fountain built into this giant boulder, which Roman de Salvo then carved with intricate rivers and almost like trail patterns. So you can watch the water from the drinking fountain actually flow down those little channels. The trailhead is convenient for beginning the 15K loop over South Fortuna, or you can just take a shorter mile or so stroll around the grasslands right there. And now for some of the newer works on your list, tell us about the new sculpture in Liberty Station just unveiled last week. So this one is by Trevor Amory, and it's the newest part of the NTC Foundation's outdoor art program that's at Liberty Station. Uh, This one is wood and mixed media, and the wood is actually sourced from fallen trees in Balboa Park. It's kind of rebuilt into an abstract version of what Amory described as a nurse log, or the trees that have fallen in the forest and they remain there to kind of decompose and nourish the soil underneath. I love what this sculpture has to say about decay and death, and it's really huge and striking. You can wander around and look through it. This one is installed just outside the command center at Liberty Station, and it takes the place of where the Nikki Gator temporarily was while the Mingay was under renovation the last few years. And the next one is a window installation at the new Mortis Studio in Golden Hill. Tell us about Dinja Harris's work. Yeah, Denja Harris is a fiber artist, and this is her first solo exhibition. It's entirely contained in the front windows there, right on 25th Street in Golden Hill. Harris makes these experimental rugs and fiber works, and she kind of plays with a color block nostalgia. It's very abstract, and it kind of like reimagines a rug. It's something that we almost always think of as one of those functional textiles. And she also sources dead stock yarn in her work, whether they're remnants left over from manufacturing or they're textiles that are not used because of a flaw. And her works will be on view through January 16th. In La Jolla, there's a new installment in the Murals of La Jolla series, this one by Gabriela Sanchez. Where can we find it? 
Yeah, this one is next to the Lot Movie Theater in La Jolla, right on Fay Avenue. And it's part of 15 current murals in this project throughout La Jolla. Sanchez is a Los Angeles artist who studied art at Point Loma Nazarene University, so there is a local connection. And the mural is the series of of collage-style vignettes. Um, These are scenes from the pandemic and with massive lettering of the word time across the center. The mural is about tides and time, life cycles and the such, and also bigger questions of our future. And many of these murals in the project are within walking distance of each other around the town center of La Jolla, so you can make a day of it. And finally, you have some augmented reality art to round out the list. Yeah, this is at the San Diego Botanic Garden, and the artworks are also on view in a dozen other botanic gardens around the world at the same time. The project is called Seeing the Invisible, and you download an app, and then you hold your phone up to the designated area at the gardens, and that makes the artworks appear to be in place. My favorite is one by Mohammed Kazem. It's called Directions Zero, and it's basically as if someone dropped a gigantic zero from outer space and it landed on top of the boardwalk path at the San Diego Botanic Gardens. It's about math. It's about coexistence and peace. And if you can, you can zoom in or look closely on your phone, etched into the image are the coordinates for every single country on the planet. And this whole exhibition, there are 13 works in total, is on view through August. It all sounds fascinating. Uh, You can find details and an interactive map of all these outdoor artworks on our website at kpbs.org. I've been speaking with KPBS arts editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you. Thank you, Jade. Happy New Year. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. 